You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris DeLambert. Thanks for hanging out from the cheap seats. Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. I don't know if anybody else is coming in to hang out with us at any point today or not. Um, Each of you guys was part of my birthday voyage this weekend and i appreciate you hanging out man and i appreciate industrial construction experts because they came through provided the transportation as we convoyed through central north carolina and we had a great time yeah i have a feeling if there's ever a zombie apocalypse those are the guys you want to be rolling with right yes 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 yeah they they were like hey the the limo didn't work out but we got these monster trucks we got monster up, trucks and these four ford f-250s roll out <laughs> and we were like let's go let's go i really wanted to go off road the whole way up there to fuquay and then to holly springs and then back home to sanford but whatever so a shout out to all the places we hit we started at aviator aviator and then we went to the feigning goat in fuquay then to Mason Jar, Mason who Jar. has bought the facility formerly owned by Draftline, and that was kind of cool to see how they reconfigured it. Went to one of my favorite haunts, Bombshell Brewery in uh, Holly Springs. Had the coconut stout. If you ever had, have, if you ever haven't had that, you must. And then where do we go from there, Trent? Gets a little fuzzy after that. <laughs> we uh, ate at the Steel Pig. Yes, we did. Yes, Richard Blackwelder's Steel Pig. That was great. Shrimp and grits, man. Their shrimp and grits is top shelf. Off the hook. Top shelf. And then we finished up back where we started at Libations, where we will be this Wednesday and every Wednesday hosting trivia. Um, we usually tease a category in the second hour, but since we're talking about Libations, uh, 90s R&B. 90s R&B will be on the ticket Ooh. on Wednesday evening. 6 o'clock, we kick that off. We have a lot of fun. Come out and hang out with us this Wednesday or any Wednesday. And if you listen to the show periodically we will uh, tease a category and let you know some of the uh, we'll give you a hint I guess so kind of a slow weekend sports this weekend <laughs> except not thanks for jumping in there guys the Super Bowl Nick Foles everybody in America I think wanted this guy to have a shot against Tom Brady I think there were probably 280 million Philadelphia Eagles fans. But I don't think anybody really thought it was going to happen. And I talked to some Philly fans, and their thing was, I really don't think they have much of a shot, do you? Most, and my flat answer was, no. Yeah, most of you most of you yeah. did not think that they had a chance. Well, from the sun shines on every dog's butt <laughs> category, Brandon Atkins on Friday night committed to social media his prediction – and, and I'm going to break this down for you, Brandon, and make sure that I get this right. He said, first of all, that the Eagles would win by two touchdowns. 
Now, they didn't quite make it there. They won by eight points. But if you remember, they jacked two extra points or missed when they went for two. So there were points come off the board. So first of all, you take the missed extra point. Then you take the two times they went for two and didn't get it. That's three more points. So now all of a sudden we'd be talking about an 11-point spread. And I think that's close enough to two touchdowns that I'm going to go ahead and give that to you. I appreciate that. Ding, 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 ding. He just gave gave me a two-foot putt right there. (laughs) I did. I appreciate it. So the second thing that you said was that the difference in the game or a difference in the game would be the Philadelphia skill position players. And I'm going to tell you, the way it was spread around to those receivers where where everybody was doing their thing, whether it was Aguilar, uh, Ertz came up huge, and Alshon Jeffrey is an absolute matchup nightmare. He's just a grown man playing receiver. And then you add the superior running game that Philly had. It was a big deal. You know, Blunt, Najai, and who saw Clement coming through the mm. way that he did? So the skill position of, there, there I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through gotcha, this real quick. Okay. And then the last thing that you said, that the difference for the Philly defense would be the pressure up the middle. Now, during the telecast – Chris Collinsworth went on and on about how great a job New England's offensive line had done neutralizing that Philly pass rush. I say nonsense. In the first half in particular, Philly was getting that pressure right up the middle. And they weren't getting they weren't getting home every time, but they did enough to shake Brady and get those eyes moving around a little bit. And if you go back and you watch the first half of that game, the pressure was pretty consistent. Now, as time wore on, I do think that the pace that the Patriots played with, with that hurry-up style, did neutralize that a little bit. But then, in the moment that mattered most, with two and a half minutes left in the game, Brady gets the ball back down by five, and everybody in America knew exactly what was going to happen, except that they didn't. Brady didn't march down the field, get the winning touchdown, and send everybody home sad. Brandon Graham, right up the middle, swats that ball out of his hands, and I'm sure that Philly fans everywhere were terrified that they were going to get you know a tuck rule or some kind of nonsense. <laughs> I'm sure Oakland fans were like, oh, my God, watch this. But they didn't. It was a clean strip. It right. ends up in Derek Barnett's hands, and – Philly not quite able to run the clock out, but able to add that last field goal, and it was just a little bit too much for New England. So you hit on a lot of that. I was close. And I I want to tell you that I'm darn proud, son. I was close because I'm mostly wrong about a lot of things, right? I mean, mean, we all are. I mean, you commit enough stuff to tape, and it's funny. People want to pick at you about that. Yeah, exactly. But they forget when you're exactly right on about what's going to happen. And you went out on a limb. And I will say that a lot of people – one of my kids included. He's like, I got Philly today. Well, why do you have Philly? Well, because everybody else has got New England. Well, all right. You know, and he actually might have placed a wager if that was legal. But I don't think that anybody I think there were some folks that went out there and just to be different, right, said, Yeah, Philly, Philly, Philly. But when you look at this thing historically, I really honestly believe that this is in the top three all time. Of Super Bowl upsets. Well, when you think about it in these terms, Tom Brady threw, as you pointed out earlier, for 500 yards. So take it like this. What if you heard Tom Brady threw for 500 yards and they never punted the ball? That's even more amazing than the 505. 
is that they I don't know that in my life I've ever seen a game that a team lost without punting and only had one turnover. And That's the, unbelievable. And the turnover was at the yeah, very, at end the very the tail end. Now, if I heard, well, Brady had 505, I don't know if I would have, my snap judgment would have been, well, they, you know, blew him out and, you know, he was hot dogging, or if it was a real shootout. I don't know how, in retrospect, I expected this game to play out. Right. But what I didn't think that I would see, I know for sure, is Nick Foles going toe to toe in a shootout with Tom Brady and coming out on top. Well, I got to tell on myself a little bit. There was one dropped pass that raised the eyebrows out there, right? And as soon as Tom Brady dropped that pass, which he should have gotten, <laughs> the first thing that popped in my mind, and I thought it was clever, was, well, Giselle was right. He can't throw it and catch it. But I went online and they said everybody made that same joke at the same yeah. time. So I'm not even that cl- clever. So everybody made the same joke. Look, I didn't see it because I was I was like dark last night. I wasn't really our little group text that normally goes on through sporting events. I was kind of lame going in there. I was really focused on the game. I wasn't doing a whole lot of social media. I, I don't 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 feel bad. Okay. I do think that's clever. Okay. And you you know you get points for that. that I, is I even said it. Well, this is showing my age. I watched the Super Bowl with my two daughters, my dog, and my mom. So it was a real <laughs> rip roaring affair. Her chili was off the hook. I'm coming out of a food coma right now as we speak. But uh, I said it. I was like, as soon as I said that, I was like, well, Giselle's right. None of them knew what I was talking about. Gotcha. But anyway. Everybody made the same joke. Well, they didn't know what you were talking about. That's okay because nobody knows what Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were talking about. And Chris Collinsworth, you know, everybody out there knows I'm a Bengals fan. Chris Collinsworth, one of my all-time favorite Bengals. He is quickly becoming one of my all-time least favorite announcers. And it really is sideways. I I was tempted on a couple of occasions to turn the sound off because I don't know what they were watching – and I think maybe they had a lot of material prepared for the game mm. and just felt like they had to, to, get to it all cram in. it in there. Yeah, Their analysis during the two replays was painful. Bamboo shoots. Everybody in America was like, what are you talking about, guys? They're, they're catches in both cases. The first one, there may have been a little wiggle there at the end. They weren't going to overturn that. The second one with Ertz, I really was baffled. And my wife, who was not actively watching, right. watched it and looked at me and said, what, are, what is he talking about? <laughs> right. I, I just don't get it. I do need to say this before I forget about it. Gene Steratour, MVP of the football game. That NFL is how a game is supposed to be called. Let the guys play. I agree with that. Now, I also want to qualify this, and I haven't looked to see what's coming out of New England right now. Had that game been called like most NFL games are called during the regular season, New England would have won the ball game. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with that for sure. They um, let those guys one. play in the secondaries. And when was the last time that you saw a game and there was not a single offensive holding call in line well, the entire game? On top of that, it was a well-played game by the receivers. They knew when to hand fight, and then when the ball got close, there was only one that I texted and you kind of got all over me on a two-point conversion where the guy got there a little late. Um, but, yeah, that's forgivable. But I watched it. I wanted 
you know, pass interference on New, New England, and it was just never there. You well, know what I mean? And I'd, I'd like to pull the numbers and see how many how many yards per game the New England offense generally gets due to defensive holding in the secondary or PI. Because I think that if you looked at it in that context, you probably would see that Brady's somewhere closer to 500 yards every game because they can just walk it down because they've got those quick-hitting routes. Guys get there a, a beat early. That, though, was the most enjoyable thing to watch about that game was there was no laundry on the field. And they called a couple of things, and I think there were seven penalties by the end of the game. Almost all of them were pre-snap penalties. Yeah, You know, there was a motion on Philly. There were two motion calls against uh, – or two against Philly, one against New England, and then there was the uh, too many men on the field as, as the uh, Eagles were trying to run a guy off. But I don't understand why the NFL doesn't get that. Don't – nobody pays to see the referees. So, bless you, Gene Steratore, and your crew and whoever gave them the guidance and said, fellas, let them play. That's what it's supposed to look like. It had a little bit of everything. Bill Belichick outsmarts himself with Malcolm Butler. Oh, Malcolm Butler what was that? I, I had no idea. 97.8% yeah. of the defensive plays during the entire year, and he sits them out, doesn't play one defensive snap. I, that will be one of the things. And you know New England, it's top secret G14 classified, everything that goes on out there. But that story's going to creep out. And I want to know what the deal was. And, you know, you think when Belichick pulls a stunt like that, that whoever he's plugged in there is going to have the game of their life. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, play at a superstar level. I think the game here, we talked about this all weekend. I think this was it for Belichick. I think he's done and he rides off into the sun. And not because he's disappointed or he looks at it and says, you know, we, we've got too much work to do. I just think it's time for him to ride off into he the sun. He was outcoached by Doug Peterson that was coaching high school eight years ago. Outcoached. I mean, that that one to Foles, that pass to Foles, was the most beautiful thing I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. That looked like an arena league play, man, and I loved it. And Philip was walking through the, the house just as it happened and, like, jumped up into the air. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. My insurance agent just rolled in and and I think was doing an assessment to make sure I didn't do any high-risk activities this weekend. <laughs> I appreciate your concern. Diamond Dave Kaplan has joined us in studio. Brandon and Trent are still here. Trent, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not going to give the details, but I think there have been a couple instances in the last couple weeks where I've tried to give your seat away. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah. I, I, it, it's happened, and, and maybe we'll talk about it more in the second hour. 
Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Dave has no idea what we're talking about. Brandon does. And Trent does as well. Inside and no, joke Trent, we're yeah. not trying well, to Well, no, you. I was here when you tried to give it to Robert Bricky. Did I try see? to see you guys say that? I was here, yeah. Did dude? I do that? Did yeah, I you did, yes. Honestly, you try to give <laughs> that seat away. You try to give poor Trent's seat away to everyone that walks in this wow. room. <laughs> wow. Which I think that would be horrible. And he's well, one- last last week it was like, man, there's five people in here. I didn't know that would work. Trent, I think, you know, you might be out next. Yeah. <laughs> Did I? I didn't say that. I mean, rewind the tape. (laughs) Basically, in summary, you're a horrible person to Trent. Well, no, he's fired me, but I'm like, no, screw you. I'm just showing up. Just keep on coming. It's kind of hard to fire you. A lot of days, (laughs) and and I say this as as Dave walks in with a binder full of notes again. Most days, Trent's done more preparation for this than anybody else, so we can't let him go. Well, and Brandon, Mm. you don't even have your iPad today. It's charging up, brother. Oh, okay, okay, charging up. And we're talking Super Bowl all day. So, Dave, what? Give, give me thirty seconds worth of thoughts on what you saw yesterday in the Super Bowl. Well, first of all, I said the Eagles could possibly win, and and I don't want out on oh, the Eagles could right. possibly win. But I didn't think it would be the way that it happened. Hold on, did uh, you say nobody. that? Did you say it in your living room? Did I you know, call? Right? No, no, I said it right here. He asked me, "Could the Eagles win?" And I said, "Yeah, they." they Trent? Yeah, he did. See, this is why you know this is why Trent can't go. We're we're no. <laughs> we're the tandem astute analysis he did. guys, and and so we can't lose Trent. But anyway, um, I I think it was cool that uh, it, that Foles is a better receiver than Brady. And that right might be the game. That was the game right there. One catch not made. One catch made. I, that the stones to make that call. Oh, unbelievable. unbelievable! I mean, if that goes awry, that's one of those things where. I mean, that's a reputation-defining right. play if it goes wrong and you're a punchline. Well, both fourth-down plays yep. were kind of higher yeah. percentage fourth-down gambles, yeah. particularly the touchdown. With six minutes left going for it. Right. In and, that and, yardage. And then, and then doing a play-action pass, and he could have very well been sacked, but fortunately Foles kind of got out of the pressure. And, and it was delivered. risky, but didn't you? weren't you thinking the same thing I was? Is He's kind of got to go for You this. have to. Yeah, oh, yeah, you yeah. You can't yeah. give the you ball don't back give to Brady, Brady with five ball minutes back. left. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. You're, you're done at that point. Right. And I'll tell you, for as, as supreme a job as Doug Peterson did winning this ball game, they mangled clock management on that next-to-last drive. Right. They should have walked that clock down to nothing. Aguilar made a bad play after yeah. after a great catch and run. He should have gone never down. should have gone out of bounds. Yeah, he should and have gone down before he got out of bounds. Had Brady been able to walk it back, that would have been something that we'd have pointed to. So it all worked out. But you you gotta love the stones. I mean, Doug Peterson was fearless, and I don't know what words he whispered into Nick Foles' ears. Oh, he's a stud. But Foles to play with that much composure. And and throw the ball as accuracy accurately as he did. It's astounding. This is a guy who a couple years ago in Philly had a charmed run through one season, and then nobody wanted him. And you look back and see what coaching staffs were unable to get out of him. And I think his performance down the stretch here. For this run is a testament to what good coaching in the NFL means. It's not Madden where you can just stick the best athletes in and go find the players with the fastest speed rating. You've got to develop these guys and you've got to shape and mold and develop these guys. And it's the difference between New England and Cleveland. 
I mean, and, and on top of that, you have to play to your quarterback's strengths. I think that's what Doug Peterson did really well. <coughs> and you got to get, as coaches, you got to get rid of some of that ego, right? You're going to play here, you're going to play in my system. And that's not what Peterson did. He really played, even Collinsworth called it out, a couple of plays specifically that were made for Nick Foles. And I think that's kind of the way of the future. I think a lot of these old cats are starting to, to you know, sail off into the sunset. And, uh, yeah, Peterson, he's like my new favorite coach in the NFL. Now. Oh, absolutely. Hard to not And he only got like one him. vote What's that? for coach of the year. He well, got one. Well, he'd get more now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very rarely in the NFL does the guy that deserves it get the coach of right. the year trophy. Yeah, but oh, one just, vote. Well, I think he deserved more than one vote. Well, at, at this point, it's easy to say that now. Well, even going in into it, I mean, they were the best team in football all year long. Well, and didn't you also get a perverse pleasure out of seeing LeGarrette Blunt run on them? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, they said, hey, if you want to stay here in New England, you're going to have to take less money. He was like, all right, peace out. Yeah. I'll just go get a ring with Philly. I loved it. Yeah. Watching I think him he enjoyed him. it more than anybody else. Pretty good trio of backs. They were fun to watch. Great trio of backs. And and Brandon, you know, we have gave him all the lauds and praises he's going to get today. But called it. That's a great skill position group. And Alshon Jeffrey was sort of a forgotten man in Chicago. People lost sight of how good he was. And he signed there in Philly, and he's just – he's a tough matchup. And, you know, there was the one play where he flipped it away from himself where he almost uh, made the one-handed yeah, grab. I'm going to tell you what. He makes that grab and falls into the end zone. Maybe Philly gets this thing going away. But, but great job by the Eagles. All of the praise in the world out to to the Eagles and what they did. Doug Peterson, Nick Foles. Now the question is, where do we go from here? Oof. Oh, I know. Nick Foles in the weeks leading up said, I know this is Carson Wentz's team. Really? Well, even the owner in accepting the uh, trophy, Jeffrey Lurie. Lurie. Lurie, yeah. Is it Lurie? Well, Lurie. Yeah. yeah, Lurie. Said, you know, uh, we lo- you know losing our franchise quarterback. I was like, okay, yeah, that happened. But maybe this isn't the time to right. say it. I mean, you, you just had the MVP and your backup. And anyway, I would have been a little taken back if I was foes on that. Carson Wentz really handled it really well. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, back when Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady, you saw the pained look on his face because yeah. yeah, that yeah. was his team for so long. Yep. And Wentz, you know – would have been the MVP if he doesn't go down. And he's you can see on his face, he's just got the greatest attitude about it. That mm-hmm. has to hurt, you know. It's bittersweet to win it, but then Nick Foles is like the face, the MVP, which I thought that was the right call on the MVP, uh, MVP call. But um, yeah. Well, he throws for over 300 yards and catches the ball. Eight times yeah, there's the been ball. a uh, NFL MVP in the Super Bowl, and all eight times they've lost. Oh, wow. So if Carson Wentz would have won the MVP and the Eagles were playing, they would have lost. That's an amazing stat right there. You just made my head hurt. Yeah. Oh, and also here's my other random stat that I love what I got the takeaway. If the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, if Alabama won the national title, you got to bet on the Patriots to lose because Nick Saban – and Bilicek have uh, never won the title in the same year. Oh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd known that. I could have I, taken that to Vegas. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if Kevin Hart knew that when he was trying to get up on the trophy stand <laughs> and the bouncer was, like, not happening. Yeah. So they were, they had the – my wife – this game was so entertaining. 
that my wife Absolutely. that my wife stayed awake. Oh wow, I mean, that's pretty. As did mine. I know way past, is. way past her bedtime. Uh huh. So they're bringing the trophy in, and all these guys are kissing it. And she's like, "That's disgusting. <laughs> I would not kiss that." What are they thinking? There's flu going around. There's a uh, yeah. Your wife is a nurse. There we go. Well, you know, my wife looked at it when they first panned down, and they had the lady that was holding it with white gloves, and she said. Has she been standing there holding that the whole game? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. True story. But my question with Nick Foles, it's easy to, in this moment, say it's Carson's team. All right? Philly, though, is in a situation where, you know, it's nice to have a, a, a sound backup, but you've got to sell high. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, what are we doing here? I think – Obviously, with the investment they made into Wentz, Wentz has to stay and yeah. be the guy moving forward. Well, and Wentz moving forward, probably, even though he's got a great attitude, he probably doesn't want Nick, Nick Foles sitting behind him. You know Ooh, what I mean? Right. I mean, I mean, that's a he's tough a quarterback gig. champion now, MVP, MVP, and yeah. so even though they get along great. If, you know, if Wentz has a couple of bad games next year, you know how Philly fan is. Absolutely. I mean, and, I mean, yeah. Philly, this is this franchise that never won a Super Bowl before. Nope. And the the string by which Carson Wentz would be hanging would be very short. I mean, this is a place where they put Crisco on the poles. So the cops have to do that so these idiots won't climb up the poles. So you don't <laughs> think – if they, have, you never heard that. Like, yeah. if you think Wentz has a couple of bad games, you don't think they're going to be calling for you know Foles to be in it. You're crazy. As well, they should yeah. though. I mean, how many guys have come in and really done that in the Super Bowl? And and I talked earlier about the fact that this to me is one of the top three upsets in Super Bowl history. And I would put I I haven't kind of let it sink in to really figure it out. But you've got the Jets over the Colts, right? You got San Francisco, uh, San Francisco over the Bengals. I knew you were going to throw day. that in there <laughs> twice. Yes, the eighty-one. No, the eighty-one. Twice. Wait, wait, stop now. Eighty-one. Stop. No, you guys, no, I know you guys are digging me, but you're 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 getting off track here. The eighty-one Bengals were a huge favorite over <laughs> the over San Francisco 49ers. In eighty-eight, they were not. San Francisco 49ers were favored to win that game, but I would not call historically, the Bengals being beat by San Francisco, a big deal, because I think the country was split. New York, Baltimore, when Baltimore got beat by Namath. Yeah, that was big. And then you have to fast forward all the way to 2001, when the Rams got beat by New England with Tom Brady at the helm. Now, it's easy to draw a correlation between these two games, because Tom Brady's involved in it. The Patriots were a prohibitive favorite. But it's not. Because if you go back and watch that game, Tom Brady spun together one half of one good drive to win a game at the end of the at the end of the season, but his performance was not what Foles did. So stop with that with trying to tie the two together about teams taking their their or quarterbacks taking their teams to victory because Brady did not put that team on his back and carry them. They sort of won that in spite of him. Mm-hmm. So it's a different animal, but. If you look at it, you guys throw that one in there, so that would probably be the fourth. Are there any other big upsets in the Super Bowl that you want to throw in there? The Giants, Patriots, but I don't know, man. Let's let's think about that through the break. You're listening from the Chief Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins 
on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. I got money, I got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing, a rock song. All right, welcome back to the second half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan here. We are trying to find historical perspective for this upset in the Super Bowl. Trent, you're looking at somebody's list online. What do you got? Well, we've covered two of them. So the Patriots over the Rams in 2001, the 49ers over the Bengals in 1988. Nah. Well, your thoughts. In it, that was in 88. Your thoughts on the 2000 Giants beating the 16-0 and New England Patriots. All right. So the Patriots were on that perfect season. But you got to go back to the end of the season. Was it week 16, week 17? The Giants almost got them. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess since it was a perfect season, there was a lot of pressure on the on the uh, Patriots. And then, of course, you had a great game. Um, so, yeah, okay, I can see that. Steelers over the Seahawks in 2005. Steelers over the Seahawks. I think that was Big Ben's rookie year. I don't know about all that. I mean, do you guys remember that as being a huge upset? No. I mean, that Seahawks team kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know. The Ravens over the 49ers Come on, in 2012. No, 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 no. Okay, I think we've gotten to the and point where we, we, we have, stop. We have, and I'm going to tell you something, Just, and I'm not going to go all Bengal nerd on you. The 81 upset <laughs> is the one that hurts. The 81 Niners over the Bengals, that's the best Bengals team of all time. That was a heck of a ball club. 88, they sort of found their way in there with Boomer. But whoever put that list together, I yeah, got but real. It, I got real problems. It hurts out. more because you were a kid. You probably ran to your bedroom with tears in your eyes. Um, no, I will tell you that in '88, though, I sprained my ankle seriously during that game. Uh, I jumped up onto a coffee table and up into the air off the coffee table <laughs> and came down and turned my ankle very Ooh. badly. It happened in the '88 Super Bowl. Sounds like a real. The smart '81 move. Super Bowl is the first one I ever remember watching because I was four Which years one? old. The '81. Yeah. 81, I remember it vividly. Lived in Michigan. And I still don't know how the Bengals managed to lose that ball game, but whatever. But, yeah, that's an interesting list. And maybe we need to put one together for social media. Yeah. I think I'll work on that. 
Um, I'll get you guys input. And if you want to have some feedback, hit us up on Facebook at Cheap Seat Radio. Hit us on Twitter, same thing. We're on Instagram, too. That thing stood up. But I don't think anybody in this room even understands Instagram. No, I'm just playing. Um, we do have folks that run that account for us, but we need to we need to do a little bit better with it. Yes. But hit us up on social media. I think we'll float that out there and get feedback. There are a couple of those that I don't think make that. Make that. But I do want to say that as we move forward, we're doing this right after the Super Bowl is over. I know what's coming down the pipe, and they're going to draw correlations between Brady's upset of the Rams and Foles' upset of the of the uh, Patriots. It's not the same thing. What about when Hostedler came in and beat the Bills? Um, is, that kinda, that was, is that a good correlation between Foles and uh, Hostedler? Yeah, I think it's great. That was the I first think time ever a backup came in and won a Super Bowl. Was that before or after Doug Williams did it? Doug I'm Williams say, was the. It was after uh, Doug Williams yeah. did it. Doug, Doug Williams. Doug did Williams it first. only played two regular season games and then came in and won. And the Mark Super Bowl. was it? Mark Rippon had been the starter. Rippon was, was the starter. That year? It was Rippon. Okay. It was Rippen, yeah, because yeah, they had the three guys there that were yeah. Yeah, almost, there were, over the course of that was a fun years. game to watch too no, for a it was while. Not. <laughs> yeah, right. For Tim, the first Timmy Smith. thirty seconds. Um, Timmy Smith parlayed that into a big deal too, and big deals is what I'm getting at here. What the question I want to ask you, Trent? How much money last night did Nick Foles cost Kirk Cousins? <laughs> well, I mean, they're all projecting he's going to make twenty-eight million dollars a year. Then who's going to make twenty-eight million dollars? Cousins. Year? I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. There's, That's not going to happen. Four Brandon teams is a right now. There going are four after teams. Him. Let's talk about the teams that have to have a quarterback in the very near term. Run them down. You have the Arizona Cardinals. Boom. Cleveland Browns. Yes. Denver Broncos. Yep. And uh, the Jets. And the New York Jets. Is there anybody else we're leaving out that is desperate maybe, for a quarterback? Maybe Bills, maybe? Bills, Bills could probably be, be in the yep. conversation as yep. well. So let's call that five. Cap, Pro- you got anybody? Well, you know, you got Blake Bortles. That's a good, that's a good uh, point. I don't know how bad Jacksonville can – I don't know, man. I, no, I don't want to say I, that they're desperate. I can't no, put hold them on, in the hold desperate on. category. You, you're never going to be able to get to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. We've seen proof, right? Because that game was close. Jacksonville was up. And then basically the Patriots said, Bortles, go ahead, beat us. And he I, couldn't. I got you. But when you say that a team is desperate for a quarterback, Jacksonville may look at it and say, we have to get that guy. But is the distance between Blake Bortles and Kirk Cousins enough to, you know, make that call? I say yes. Mm, Stat-wise? Man, come on, dude. I, I, I just don't see it, man. Kirk I really Cousin, don't see it. When I watch Kirk Cousins physically, Kirk Cousins is, is, at, is in as friendly a quarterback system as there is. Now, if Nick Foles could be made available to Jacksonville and he's shown in crunch time, I can be that guy, hey, let's put this defense out there with him. Maybe that's the thing. But Kirk Cousins is an unknown so, quantity when it matters. Who would you want? Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles, or Case Keenum? Foles. Because all, all three long. of them are going to be available. Foles, Foles, Foles. Do you all think, day long. Let me ask you this. Do you think Foles wants to leave? He's got to leave. But, I mean, He's got to take money. I agree. That, I he, agree he made with $6 it. million this year. You're talking and it was about because the grandkid owner, money to yeah. be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's got I'm with to you, but that. you know he's never buying another drink, dinner, anything in Philly. Like he's that like immortal. Matter. It doesn't matter where he goes as long as he doesn't go play for the Cowboys. He'll right. be fine. 
Cowboys and Giants would probably be the two places he can't go to. But he made seven point six million dollars this year. Gotcha, and he can and make he's four or five make, times that. Absolutely, he's going to make probably twenty million more. Yeah, and he's got a yeah. you know you got a limited shelf life as a professional athlete. He can't stick around, and Philly can't afford to keep him around. And you said it's not good for the team chemistry. You can't have your it's guy, not, right. Carson Wentz, with two years in the league who hadn't won anything yet, looking over his shoulder and worrying about you know that that pop of the catcher's mitt back in the bullpen like it is with starting well, pitchers. And, you, know, you can't have him looking over his shoulder. I'm sitting like here that. reading as you are talking. The Pats are early favorites to win next year. Philly is doggone good. Like, look, right. you got Wentz coming back. They lost their left tackle. Jason Peters, I believe is his name. Jason Peter. Yeah. Sometimes that kills a team if you use your lose your left tackle. They there's no reason for me to believe Here's, under Doug Peterson that Philly's not going to be one of the better teams in the NFL. How could anybody look at it and say New England's favored to win? What has New England possibly got coming down the pipe that is going to make them better next year? I mean, year? Gronk is mulling over retirement well, That's right the now. thing. Right. Who are you going to lose? Bilicek, Brady, or Gronk? How many times has Gronk played an entire season? Not this many. is as healthy as he's been. You cannot absolutely 100%. And this comes when you talk to fantasy geeks. You know, us fantasy football players, Gronk is like, oh, who's my backup tight end going to be? Because I know I'm going to lose him at some point. Gronk actually managed to make it unscathed through a season for the most part and was still dinged up. I don't know, man. I mean, Brady's I like- another year older. You got one more year of, of trying to keep this together. They don't. I don't know why New England – is on an upward trajectory for anybody. I, that's I, I don't either, but, you know, Gronk has just come out of um, the concussion protocol. You know he was he couldn't have been totally right, and he just wheeled them back into that game. He's awesome, but, you know, I just feel like you look back, if you win the Super Bowl, the thing you hear everybody say, all that hard work, all this, the in the weight room, it worked out, and we got what we came here to get. But on the flip side, if you lose, you think about all that work, all that weight room time. And well, you do, and you look, at a guy like, you look at a guy like Gronkowski who obviously likes to do things other than work out and play football. Like what, Chris? I, Come on. He likes to have a good time. He like okay. Okay. But not with tie pods. He says no. He no, does say no. no. Oh, wait, and, and let's transition right there into the ads for this Super Bowl. Anybody that says at this point in their lives, oh, I only watch for the Super Bowl, that was a cool thing to say 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. The ads are sorry. They're lame. Every yep. ad company out there has has they they spent five everything million, they have to spend. Five million a spot? Is and, that what I heard? And yeah, the, they're just lame. That's ridiculous. You know? And tied. How many millions of dollars did they spend yesterday? Every other break, it seemed like there was a Tide commercial on. And I thought for sure we were going to get a boost because I thought for sure there was no way we're not going to get a don't eat Tide pods PSA in the middle of it. But no. I think we the didn't. Tide Pod How Challenge. How irresponsible was P- Procter & Gamble? <laughs> I, think, I think the Tide Pod Challenge is to challenge millennials to take the Tide Pods and actually put them in the washing machine and do some of yeah. their own dirty clothes. Oh, there you go. How about Man. that? And I like to be that guy. I don't know his name. The guy that plays on Stranger Things who was in all the Tide Pod commercials. I want to be that guy's agent, man. He was all over Killing the TV it. screen. Killing mm-hmm. it. See, but it's sad when the NFL had the best commercial. Yeah. 
of the Super Bowl. It was Bowl. the best, yeah. wasn't it? The greatest commercial I ever saw. And, and I even good. left one time the room and I told my wife, if that Eli Manning commercial comes on, you better pause it. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> my wife was very displeased with the ads up to that point. And oh. she actually, and you know, she's the coolest of the cool actually got an audible laugh from her. <laughs> that was great. If you didn't see it, if you were uh, in the bathroom or whatever, when Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. reenacted the scene from right. Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Yes. There we go. Yep. It was classic. Uh, epic. Well done. That was NFL. the best commercial by far. Yes. So whoever their ad company is that put that together, kudos to you because you guys win. Australia had a good ad. Australia was a very good that ad was a good as well. Ad too. But Australia does everything cool. Yeah, but they, they do. do. I mean, people yeah. ask that question. You know, when you get mad in politics and they're like, well, why don't you just leave? Well, if anybody ever said that to me and I was like, why don't I leave? The one place I'd be going, Australia. Yeah. Let's go. Everybody from, have you ever met anybody from Australia that wasn't cool? No. There no. you go. No, and Boom. you know, the only one step further than that, um, if you've never been to New Zealand, that's where Australian people vacation. Nice. So, so if they're going there, the New Zealand's got to be, be cooler. Kiwis, yeah. I, I can dig it, man. See, and yeah. I love the uh, Martin Luther King commercial. It was good, and, but it didn't. But then fit. I realized it's for a, it's for Dodge a truck. Ram. I know it, and it couldn't be a more bow truck. Oh. So the conflict there, I, it didn't that, make sense. It was a great idea. And I was like, man, there are so many things this would be an awesome ad for. But, then but a freaking uh, pickup truck? Check this out. Come on, this is man. how unaware they are. My 14-year-old daughter goes, how can you use MLK to sell trucks? <laughs> I know. Like, it came out of her mouth. And I was like, you're absolutely right, daughter. I love that speech, daughter. and it's so inspiring. And then I was like, Dodge Ram? And nobody wants to drive what? a Dodge anyway. I'm man. just trying to figure out who looks at their child yeah, and says, I'm you're I'm right, daughter. That's me. People in New Zealand. Apparently. But no, Australia, that was a good ad too. Yeah, but I think the one. NFL wins and tied, I'm disappointed. Procter & Gamble, I really thought yeah. you guys were going to roll out a Gronk ad on TV and they've done it online, but they didn't have the stones to do it on, on but dude, TV. But, dude, the Australian one, weren't you kind of disappointed when you found out it wasn't going to be a real movie? Dude, oh, I would I so go yeah. to that movie. Yeah. And somebody somewhere in Hollywood was licking their chops. Because, you know, nobody's had an original idea Wait in forever. Minute. What Australia one are you talking about? The Crocodile Dundee? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. at the very end. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a real movie. Shut up. I didn't oh, pay attention. Okay. Was I was like... Oh, there's a Crocodile Dundee movie coming out. Oh, my God. The I best. don't believe this just happened. And I can. I wish people here could see your body languages because you are assuming at home, this is Trent being silly. He really didn't no. get it. was an Australian tourism ad. This no, is in the middle of the been, ad. You must have been getting wings. Movie trailer, is it? You must have been, you know. You weren't listening to I wanted to watch hands, a movie in which off. that actor actually shaved with that large knife. <laughs> yes. Leaning exactly. down the side of his face, yeah. Yeah. That was great. Now, I don't know where the next NFL halftime show is going to come from, but I wouldn't want to be the artist trying to follow up what Justin Timberlake did this weekend. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dude, well, he got a lot of mixed reviews. Whatever. I Stop thought it was great. It. Right. How, look. It was entertaining. It was good. What are the mixed reviews? What could you say bad about what JT did? 
I, I mean, can't say anything. Some people bad didn't about like it. the uh, Prince image. They yeah, didn't like the I know. Prince And that's thing. the hardcore Prince folks who are like, but Prince was against holograms. It wasn't a hologram. It was an, a, a video movie. image projected it, yeah. onto a sheet. Right. And it was awesome. Right. It was awesome. They need to get over themselves. It was beautifully done. But the whole time I was like, man, if this is what JT's concert's like, I've got to go. Dude, if you've yeah. not you've been to been see to Justin one. Timberlake in concert, you or anybody else out there in Radioland, it is a spectacle like you've never seen. At Cheap Seat Radio on social media, check us out. WBLZ, WDCC, we got 15 minutes left. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. If you're listening on WBCC, this is the last segment. Follow us over to the internet. Find us on the iTunes or iTunes podcast app. Um, we are talking about all things Super Bowl, and we've made it to the halftime show. And I want to tell you that this whole anti-Prince thing, this was not something that came after where people were making snap judgments. This was collective sort of Borg mindset with Prince fans. And the, the whispers and all that about, well, Prince wouldn't like this started a couple of days ago when the the story leaked that it was going to be a part of that. I think they'd have done a real good job to keep that under wraps and let people react to it because you had a lot of naysayers out there who are sort of, I'm smarter than you. Well, Prince was against that type of thing. Well, sorry. Prince is gone. And Those I thought people, it was a hell of a tribute. It was really, really people cool. don't actually watch football during the year anyway. You know what I mean? These <clears> are <throat> Super Bowl people that – I mean, they're – Pink spit out a lozenge because she had been sick, and everybody <laughs> thought she spit out gum. People just need to chill out. It's a game. Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. But I just thought his uh, the production and the volume of his voice just didn't come through. Um, that's my only complaint. It, I'm just telling you, it, it, everybody on ESPN saying the same thing this morning. Um, there, I just, get, that's why you know what every time you look at ESPN I think your IQ drops a point or two. no I said it last night I was like I just wish you could, I'm a big JT fan I wish I could hear his voice a little bit more and everybody's saying yeah the production was the dancing was awesome I love yeah. that choreography well, and that's kind of what it really was right I can tell more you somebody a, a who's, who's, and, and he didn't sing much on it yeah I mean you gotta 
the dude like he ran like a quarter mile during the performance. He did. The <laughs> fact that he wasn't belting them out is kind of understandable. He, he burned more calories than I think I do in a week. He really did, you know, and I mean, he like hiked up the stairs all the way up to you know right. the kid who I want to know if that kid knew ahead of time he was going to be there. Like it didn't look Justin like it. No, it didn't look he, like he, it. Yeah, he looked. He was shocked. My was, favorite meme was the one that had him side by side with a Google search. Who is Justin Timberlake? <laughs> that was my favorite one. That's good. But it was. I mean, I thought it was amazing and it was entertaining. And no, I didn't. I wasn't there for, you know, Justin Timberlake's vocal prowess. You know, to judge that. But I thought what was good about it was that it wasn't obviously lip synced. I'm sure that there were additional vocal tracks in the background. But the primary mic was him actually singing, yeah. which I much prefer to what we normally get. It's bad lip syncing, which just makes me want to punch myself in the face. How much? I loved it. How much did that kid's stock go up at school? Oh my today? god! Oh yeah. Like Dude. how many of the lovely little ladies are girls like, are lined up out the door, man? Boom. Oh yeah. Yes. That was a cool moment. I like yeah. that. JT kind of knew it was cool too. Like he was like, "I'm JT. You're gonna want this selfie." That's what's cool about Justin Timberlake is he gets it as a showman and as a performer. He gets it. He knows what works and what doesn't. And he doesn't do anything bad very often. He saw and, the kid on his phone, and I guess the story is the kid was on his phone filming live. And all of a sudden, his phone shut off. So he was trying to turn it back on. And all of a sudden, boom, Justin Timberlake was right there. And he's like, bam, snap the selfie. You got to love it. And whether it's Saturday Night Live or whatever, you know, all the way back through to, you know, the the wardrobe malfunction or well, whatever. Well, see, how right? many – did you think they were going to do some kind of spoof with the wardrobe? I was waiting for one of the guy's shirts to open or something oh, no, he wasn't when he was that. singing that. I was a little surprised that they played the same song at all. But they but had all no, the people dressed in wanted, sweaters. I, I thought that he wanted to kind of put this and put some distance between the two. <laughs> I thought it was great. And and you guys can hate on it. ESPN can hate on it, whatever. I thought it was amazing. Okay, I think it's it was way ever. better than Katy Perry. See, Katy uh, see, Perry I'm, is I was one of the Katy only Perry ones fan. to me that is memorable. Right. And it was for me for it was different right. reasons. I would have loved to have seen the duet with Chris. What was Katy Perry? Was that during the Seahawks Broncos? What's that? Katy Perry was Seahawks oh, Broncos. On. You can't ask a question like that. I, will say, I have no when, idea. I will say that when Missy Elliott came out, that I was like setting my house on fire because that was awesome. And let's go around the table. Who do you have a bigger <laughs> man crush of the people pictured last night, JT or Bradley Cooper? What do you all think? Bradley Cooper, dude, you're living a charmed life, dude. Who, I love Bradley this. Cooper? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, and how cool is it that he got to make a movie about being such a rabid Philadelphia Eagles fan, and then you know watch from owner's the box, box. with Sitting Jeffrey in Lurie? The owner's how box. awesome! How awesome! Yeah. But the the cool part about it is you've got these celebrities that are just there trying to you know get a moment. Right. But these guys like Mike Trout, who's at every Philadelphia game, and Bradley Cooper, who's you know a rabid fan. These guys to watch them be as excited as we are at the house. That's cool. Yeah. You know, when these guys show up and they're just there for the photo op or whatever, it's a different animal. But it's really cool to see, you know, the people that we see on the silver screen. Hey, that's kind they're of what into I, it just yeah. like we are. That's kind of what I thought about uh, Mike Trout. I was like, that could, he looks like he's just a guy watching the game and enjoying it. Yeah. He wasn't really trying to get, you know, this. 
I don't know, the pub for it or whatever. Well, and I was looking at it thinking, well, obviously he doesn't have the doggone star credentials that Bradley Cooper does yet. No, I'm playing. (laughs) I was thinking it going. I think if I was – here's the question I would ask myself. We joke about it. We're like, well, we go, we're VIP, this, that, the other. If I was in a situation like that, I think I would have preferred to be where Trout was than where Bradley Cooper was. Right. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? I'd want the owner's box. Would you? Fair enough. Yeah. I, I liked watching uh, J-Lo and, and uh, A-Rod. I'm sure J-Lo was really into the game. Uh, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, they that's were what there. You, that's what you Neither one of them had a rooting interest, but they're like, we're like the richest, coolest people around. So we got to be here. So we have to be here. Ah, yeah. come on, man. I, I respect the fact that you can live that kind of lifestyle, but I get no, no rush out of seeing them. What about you? I think I'd probably go the way that Trout did. Me I want to be in that that right. emo- I don't want the pressure of all the other stuff, whatever's going on in that owner's box. Yeah, it would be cool, but to be with the real fans in that real environment would be for me. Yeah, if I was in a regular season game or you know something like that, oh, yeah. yeah, let me go on up in the box. And, even the you know, playoff, free even the NFC whatever. Championship. Yeah, but well, for the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl to be in that, I, I think and I'd have to go. Kudos that route. for the reporters reporting on it. They found Mike Trout in the crowd. I mean, it was. No brainer to find Bradley Cooper standing right beside the owner. So they really had to stretch out and find him because I don't know if I could pick him out of a lineup. You guys could. I was getting annoyed with seeing Giselle every other play. I was like, please, let's and not spend the wine. last fourth quarter looking at her every time. She did get a lot of camera time. She got a lot of FaceTime. I don't mind it that much. <laughs> See, when I saw Mike Trout, I was like, baseball's coming. Let me get my fantasy team ready. Well, you know, it's funny. My wife asked me this morning. She said, are you a little? Are you ever a little sad when football's over? Not really. <laughs> and it's only because of the timing of it. Because basketball's for real right now. And then you've got baseball right around the corner. So that's where it's at. The, the, the worst time for me in sports is when basketball ends. Because baseball really doesn't mean anything yet. Brandon loves it. So, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. He does. I like playoff. You know who I really <laughs> want to find out who is? Um, Better X. Have you heard about Better X? The guy that cleaned oh, yeah, house yeah. on the World Series? Yeah. He also killed the Super Bowl, put money on Philly. I want to find out who he is and write down some notes. Like, just share some of your notes. I mean, he's been identified as the guy. And I think, like, seven – Seven-figure bets were placed on the Eagles, which is the more most. You said seven, I believe seven, seven, figure seven bets. figures. Wow. wow, yeah, but he can't be known because then all the other casinos would shut him down, and that's why he's well. The biggest better casino, better the biggest casino was three million dollar bet at MGM. Yeah, and then he had to get creative with it, like offshore, and then they started figuring out who he was, and then so he had to stretch him out in like five hundred thousand dollar bets here yeah. and there. So how much is the estimate? The, what, what was his take? I need to find out. Okay. It's in the. It's probably over ten million plus. I don't know. He cleaned house. Nice. Damn. Nice. That to me though, man, that's a dangerous game. I, I can see Ooh. you know guys get rolled up playing the horses and things like that. But you're talking about a 50-50 proposition, right? So I mean, the, and, the and when Brady got there, that ball back with two minutes left, oh, Lord. I mean, he was probably. I don't, yeah, I would have been throwing up somewhere. Uh, right. Hey, mm. more power to him. And what do you think the chances that Better X and Floyd Mayweather are the same person are? <laughs> oh, that'd be kind of cool, actually. Right? That'd be crazy cool. I wonder what Floyd had. You know Floyd had seven figures on this. There's no doubt, right? He spent seven figures at the bar, dude. He, pr- he probably <laughs> did have a seven-figure Super Bowl party I mean, somewhere. When Mayweather flies somewhere, he doesn't pack. 
he buys all his stuff when he gets there or has somebody buy it for him. Right. That's baller status. But no, I don't have bags. What are you talking about? I'll get I'll get shirts when I get there. So, <laughs> speaking of boxing, ten million. Ten million. What he won on football? Better X. Better X. Did. That's what they're reporting. He's going to win ten million. ten million. He just made fourteen million off the uh, World Series. Wow. Jeez. He retire. Retire. I wonder though. Take some cojones. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you say that, but I wonder. I mean, he doesn't hit every time. You know what I mean? I don't know. I can't get excited about that. I'm not. I, I don't know. I like. I like games that require at least a little bit of what I would like to think is skill. You know what I mean? I don't know. I like ten million dollars. Yeah. All right, WDCC folks, follow us on over to the internet. We'll see you there. From the cheap seats, you can find us in the iTunes podcast land and everywhere else. Everybody else, just continue to march. We're rolling on. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour from the cheap seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Diamond Dave Kaplan is chomping at the bit to talk about the PGA right yes. now. Yes. I'm kind of Why not? i got to change that. gears a little bit, right? All right, go ahead on. Well, I think what's pretty cool is this is Super Bowl weekend, and so you would think it would be hard to draw some people out to a golf tournament. But when you turn it into an absolute party, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, you, you get people out there in the desert uh, at uh, Scottsdale. It's the Waste Management Championship. Fourth week in a row we had a playoff. So they're they're doing sudden death playoffs left and right. Nice. I don't know what the well. I'll, I'll have to do some. I'll drop one of these questions on y'all that I don't know the answer to. That sounds great. What's, what's the number of <laughs> number of weeks in a row that the PGA has had continual playoffs? They might have already set a record. I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to do some research on that. But uh, Gary Woodland, great story. Um, wife lost uh, one of two babies. She was having twins and mm. kind of he kind of got off the radar a little bit with that personal issue, but. Uh, one in a playoff over Ches Reevy, who had to drain about a 20-footer on 18 to get into the playoff, had about the same putt on the 18 again, first playoff hole. 
uh, for par, and he, he couldn't make it. And so uh, Gary Woodland got the win. Kind of anticlimactic there. Uh, 18 under par. Um, it bumped him up to fifth in the FedEx points. Uh, Gary Woodland, big guy, you know, big athlete. Very typical of, of some of the golfers now. But what was really interesting to see is you had Ricky Fowler uh, in the lead and played poor on a Sunday again. Shot a 73 when everybody was going into the 60s. Uh, and Daniel Berger, John Rahm, John Rahm second to FedEx. They just couldn't close it out. Uh, but the, here's the thing about the Waste Management Open. 720,000 in attendance. Man. That's like double – a major, you know, that's it's huge attendance. It is an absolute party. Uh, Chris talks about going to these things and you, the socioeconomic aspect of it. Everybody's just drunk. Well, this takes it to <laughs> this takes it to a whole nother level. Out, out well, don't Phoenix. you think Scott still brings a little bit of that? I almost, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I almost felt. I've made a tr- I almost took a job out in Scottsdale, and the time I was there, I almost felt bad for walking on their sidewalks. Yeah. I mean, you got to have real money to be there, yeah. and everything's just clean as all get out. Does that have anything to do with what's driving? What's well, the waste all- management open, right? Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> but the um, ha- ha- did y'all see any of it? Do you see hole number sixteen? That's like uh, the event within itself. Okay, the hole number sixteen. Oh, I need to be one hundred percent. Twenty clear. or thirty thousand people. They call it the Coliseum around this one hole. Okay, and it, they're just they boo. They yell at impact when a when a golfer they're they're constantly talking. It's nothing like golf on the PGA tour. Okay. So it's sort of happy Gilmore esque. Exactly. Like that it. is a great comparison. Right. So you got a lot of these golf talking heads that are like, is this good for the game? Sure it is. And it should you know, is this gonna happen at other events that aren't marquee name events? I mean, there was a guy who who ran around streaking. Uh, for like 15 minutes, and no security was trying to get him. He's just running naked around the golf course. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's really well, nuts. Hold it's, on for it a truly second. is Happy Gilmore. That's if you were security, would you try to chase down <laughs> a naked man? I don't know, but they, they need I, to probably add a little security gotcha. to this particular hole uh, because it's like a, a little football stadium around a par three. Yeah, but that falls in a not-my-job category right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't need that rubbing up against me as I try to, you know, take and you it, to the – it's, it's one of those golf courses set up purely for the spectator. Uh, yeah. Drivable par four coming down the stretch, a reachable par five. This par three where people are drunk at 10 a.m. and they're there all day long. They have a – they have instituted a new rule on this hole. Ten drink minimum – I mean maximum. Ten maximum. maximum. Oh God! What do we have to do to get credentials there? <laughs> I know. Hold up. Like that's before I get out of the parking lot. You can only you can only buy ten drinks there. But I guess they're thinking if you show up oh at eight and you're God. there till six p.m. You've already been day. pre-gaming anyway. Wow. By the time you get to the hole. Yeah. Jeez. Anyway, I want to go to this now. Yeah. Anywhere this oh, guy. Ten drink maximum. I'm in. Yeah. I am in. So I think Greensboro needs to institute, you know, get these. They basically bring a stadium in and wrap this hole in it. And uh, a lot of times the golfers will have a bunch of stuff to throw out to the crowd. But Justin Thomas, I think it was on Friday. Well, they could do that at 18 at the the Wyndham Open. Yeah, yeah, up on top of the hill. That would be the perfect place to do it, would be at the top of the hill and close that in. That would be 
dope. Yeah, right. but I don't know how many people because we, when we were at the Wyndham, it was pretty, you know, it was shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, but I mean, they could they could spread it out a little bit because all of the press tents and stuff are on as you're coming up there on the left side of that right. hole. They could clean that out a little bit and kind of yeah wrap the yeah, whole thing. In. That'd be cool. You could put ten thousand people up yeah, there. Yeah, if you put ten thousand around it, that would make That'd it be awesome. And it's usually a pretty exciting finish there. Yeah. So have any of the players come out and said they don't like this kind of style? I think they kind of get into it, but what I was getting into is Justin Thomas. Okay. Uh, he just knocked one in the water on 15 and made a bogey on a par five that pretty much everybody's birdieing. And he was having a pretty good round going. Um, and uh, he, he gets into the 16th and uh, hits it over the green and then chips it past the hole, then three putts for a double bogey, and the crowd was booing him. <laughs> I mean, booing him, like legitimately booing him after every shot. And then you could just see him. It was like adding to his frustration. That's funny. And so, I, you know, that that's something you don't normally have to deal with. And it probably added an extra stroke for him on that hole. Mm, wow. Um, but, anyway, it's an interesting atmosphere. So, we got the ATT Pebble Beach coming up this week. Snedeker is a defending champion there. Usually plays well there. And then Tiger will be back in a couple weeks at Riviera, uh, which is the Genesis Open in L.A., uh, February 15th through 18th. This is the third time since 2000 that three tournaments have gone to uh, playoffs in a row. Right. Well, this is the fourth one. That's so, why I can't give your yeah. seat away. That's it, right there. That's the, no matter how pretty the face, nobody could like pull that out just like. So that. if we get a playoff this week at Pebble Beach, and, and it's kind of interesting because you got this is a little you know this is spectator friendly event, right? Party event, not your you know quiet golf clap type event. Uh, then you go to the AT&T Pebble Beach, which is another really good spectator event because you got Bill Murray and, mm-hmm. you know, all those guys, Wayne Gretzky. You'll have all the guys who love to play golf out there and entertaining the crowds. Um, and so uh, back-to-back really spectator-friendly type events. Then Tiger will be back at Riviera. And then we probably won't see him again until Bay Hill, which is mid-March. He might play the Honda Classic at PGA National Palm Beach is near his house, and he might play there, uh, but that would be back-to-back weeks. So I would—I don't think we'll see him in Florida. It doesn't sound that rare. In 2011-12 season, there was 18 tournaments that went to playoffs. That's that. Wow, that boggles my that's mind. Crazy. I never would have guessed. Yeah, it was that's, that many. that's that's the record. 18. The wow. And then 14 and 15, 17 in 88 and 91, 16. Wow, it's unbelievable. That is a lot. Wow. Yeah. In terms of overtime, golf to me might be the most compelling. Oh yeah. I mean, it is there's nothing more exciting than watching guys go head to head. Now, there's some of them that are lame, where it's like, well, we're gonna go out and we're gonna play three holes in the best score over the three holes, but the sudden death playoffs right. at those golf And the US are Open is a whole other round. Round. That's, yeah, yeah, do you that's like ridiculous. That? I don't like that. Well, and not only that, but think about how lame it is for the fans. That go to the U.S. Open, right. want to see, and they're there, and they're flying out on Sunday night or Monday morning, and then there's another round played. Yeah. That it, the U.S. Open's got to change that. The it's British ludicrous. Open and the Masters uh, do a uh, multi-hole, yes, uh, finish. And but the problem that you'll run into if it keeps dragging on and on and on is daylight. Dark. Yes, it's daylight. Yeah, I get so. that. Well, Torrey Pines was cool. I just didn't understand why they're like, okay, we're going to go play 18. Okay, we're going to p- go play 18 again. Then we'll go to 16, then 17, yeah. then 18. Yeah, I don't, they designate <laughs> what they're going to do prior to the tournament yeah. starting. 
But yeah. you would think it would have a little, I don't know, yeah, a little better rhyme and reason and flow to it. I don't know. Have we gotten the golf out of our system? Yeah, we just need to find time to go play. Yeah, dude, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I haven't, you know, I have, man, it's been forever. You know, we moved at the end of last year and then it got cold and all the rest of that. But it's time, and this has got to be a serious golf year. I've actually got to do work on my short game. Dave said I'd never yeah. work on my short <laughs> That's game. Right. I've actually got to do that now so that I can say, see, I, I work on it. Now, here's the question. Would, would you reach the 10-drink maximum at the 16th if Me? you were parked there all day? I'm good. Some of these other cats here, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't drink a lot when I golf. I'm bad enough already. Um I just I don't it's not my thing. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. drink at all. It's and I've on. never played well, golf with saying, you guys, he, but I don't drink at all. I go to these company functions that it's free beer, not until the end. Well, that's when I'm playing, right. I don't yeah, I'm mm. sorry. I don't no, like I'll, to drink. I, I will I will invite Brandon, do you ever drink when you're playing golf? <laughs> no, it's not a t- you know it's well, not see, a 10 drink maximum for the players. This is for the spectators. I, I hear you. Yeah. But how, think how cool that <laughs> yeah, would be though. That's just think how cool that would be if we have a from the cheap seats golf tournament right and we bring in a couple of these athletes and folks that we know how cool would it be if we had like a five drink minimum that's, before you went off that's just wishful thinking yeah. but what but about Kaplan you told me that I start off rough and then maybe a few drinks in around the seventh or eighth right. my game I turn into Tiger Woods for about two holes and then I hit the downside, right? Yeah, you don't. You got a window. You're not able to stay in the zone very long. Properly lubricated, and then and then you then you go over the. That's like me playing darts. After like three beers, I'm perfect. But then that fourth, I'm done. I'm like, now Grayson Murray finished tied for seventieth. So he made the cut, but he finished at five over. You know, scores were pretty well. I think he was participating in the drink minimum. That's my guess. On we don't care about we Grayson. HV3. Grayson's got, look, the clock starts ticking. Brand, uh, Dave, you got 90 days, no, 60 days <laughs> Okay, to get, to get to that get interview. Grayson Murray in or we're okay. done with Grayson Murray and we're moving on to the next HV3 one. HV3 finished uh, tied 30. The four months nice, we nice took nice trying to get HV3 Grayson. Either. Come on. We got to move cool. on. And Patton <laughs> Kazire. That's the uh, he's still leading at FedEx points. He finished tied for thirty first. That's pretty. Get cool. it. That's and he's got well. the cool name. What do you think Patton the Kizai. odds of him being the uh, leader at the end of the season are? Not very. I didn't good. think so. Yeah. All right. So speaking of low odds, I didn't think coming into 2017-2018 that there was really any chance Jason Kidd wouldn't finish the year as the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. This firing kind of came out of nowhere, but when you look at it in context. Really, probably warranted. Yeah, but they—I I was more shocked because they traded for him. Well, you know, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but when you've got a limited window like the NBA teams do, because it's hard to hold those teams together when you've got real firepower. They've got a young team. They were underperforming, and apparently the relationships weren't very good. Jason Kidd. The stories that are coming out now all point to him and some of his leadership methods being a little counterproductive huh. and, and shaking some guys just for the sake of it. And one of the things that I read that was particularly interesting is last year they were looking at film and he stopped the session in the middle of it and went around and made every player on the roster tell who was the best player on the team. Hmm. 
And wow. it wow. created a situation. And and there were four different players' names who were named. And the only one, apparently, that said it's me was Giannis. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't even the consensus amongst the players. But that's an awkward that's situation weird, to man. be in. Yeah, it is. Obviously, there'd be some guys who are like, you know, I'm candid and I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. Don't but, you think it's a product of Jason Kidd coming right out of a t- retirement to coaching in the league? He never got to – it's one thing to talk like that as a player, a veteran player. But when you turn in a coach and you start working with the younger kids that might not be as familiar – they don't have any idea that you played at Cal, and they don't care. Well, you know, don't you think that he could have probably been well served to coach under somebody else for a couple of years? I think anybody could. I think that leadership is different based on the role that you're playing, and there are some guys that get it and some guys that don't. You have to be able to understand what makes people tick, what makes them go, and in no situation, unless you are established at the level of a guy like Bill Belichick, can you have exactly the same standards across the board for everybody and employ the same motivation techniques? The four of us are all pretty strong-willed people. We're all different. We'll talk a little bit more on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, a production of, and this is new, guys, we're organized now, a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC. Can you say that that. again with your pinky up, please? Cheap Seat Media, LLC. Nice. Very good. Will you pass the grape upon? We figured it was time to incorporate, man, and, and, you know, take out insurance or something. So if we slander anybody. (laughs) We're trying to get it coming. I don't think there's any, any risk of sort of physical harm coming to anybody that comes and sits at the table. But, uh, you know, something we say could come back to haunt us. Something I think that, that we was say, the primary reason to, to organize. So basically things that we say are about to get worse because we feel like we got a, our butts <laughs> covered, net. right? Brother, once yep. the insurance is in place, it's on and pop. Popping. Yes, You'll get sir. to see the real us. You were talking about Jason Kidd. Um, don't you think sometimes, and I'll show you where I'm going with this, coaches who were never players – it's sometimes it's good. Like so, take Jason Kidd for an. Would you call him a good shooter? Jason Kidd never would I call him a good. No. Shooter. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> imagine him going, "Hey, dude, you need to get more reps. If you're going to be open, you need to make. You need to knock these down." And he's like, "Hold up, coach. Let me look at your tape." <laughs> you know that's got to add a different wrinkle. Now, finally, Jason Kidd figured out a mid-range jumper, but he was never good from three-point. No, that wasn't his thing. Jason Kidd was one of the last true point guards, sort of John Stockton, those guys, where they were true distributors of the basketball. And he was a good leader as a player. Right. 
However, how to manage a franchise and kind of be an executive like that, that's a different thing. Now, Jason Kidd, I will tell you, when he took Milwaukee, they got a bump out of that. And he put in a system that was largely based on trapping. And they trapped more than anybody in the NBA. And it was a physical, high-intensity defense that they turned around and, and you know turned into offense. The league adjusted to that. Because Jason Kidd, it didn't matter who you were, he was going to trap the ball. And teams figured that out, and they were able to beat it, and he never adjusted. The other thing is that he wasn't willing to make Giannis the focus of the offense. Mm-hmm. And Tim Prunty took over as the interim. I don't know if he's going to be the long-term answer or not. How long has he been there, the Who's interim that? coach? Seven games. Half? Yeah, seven games. What's so, the record in those seven games, Trent? Six and one. Yeah. They've won seven of the last three. Now, so. it's, uh, there's some bunnies I in mean, there, seven so don't of the last get too ten. excited about it. There are some bunnies in there. But the fact that they're 6-1 and one tells you all you need to know because if Jason Kidd was their guy, the reaction would have been a little bit different. And there were reports that came out from Jason Kidd in the immediate aftermath of his firing that Giannis called him and said, hey, I'll call ownership and try to save your job if you want. That, to me, worried me a little bit about what the reaction was going to be. But then watching what they translated this to on the floor, they're playing a more wide-open style. The offense is running through Giannis, which is what makes sense. And I think the sky's the limit for this team. I honestly think that when it's all said and done in the East, Milwaukee will be one of the top three seeds in the conference. That's my belief. Because Cleveland is a freaking dumpster well, fire right now. Let's let's take a look at the hierarchy in the East. First of all, you've got Cleveland. Cleve, uh, Cleveland, excuse me. Boston. 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 You've got Boston. I think Boston is a lock for that one seed. Does anybody want to take? And they just got richer with, with uh, Greg Monroe. Nice little bench player coming off for him. A big guy. Great little addition. Yes. But the Eastern Conference right now, you've got Boston in the one. I mean, Toronto you, is holding down the two right now, and yeah. I am a Toronto believer. Yep, you have brought them up many times. That was who. That's the only team I feel like could maybe wiggle up to where Celtics are. Um, Cleveland, I don't even know if a you know a trade uh, trade deadline acquisition or anything is going to save them. They're just so dysfunctional. I think the luckiest guy in Cleveland was the moment that that his hand broke. Kevin Love. Kevin Love's like, thank God, deuces, I'll see you in two months. Now, did we have this conversation this weekend? I don't think so. That's amazing because I said exactly the same thing. Yeah. He's the luckiest guy out there. He didn't have to deal with this nonsense. And LeBron, he's been LeBron's whipping boy since he got there. Yep. And cannot possibly be having fun Oh, we were talking about it because – uh, but Trent you, wasn't part of the conversation, was he? I don't think so. See, so we, it was it was some, some see we're we're stuff connected. There. There's no way you can kick Trent off the show because we're all connected cerebrally. Deal fighting but, this week. Fighting. Yeah, Kevin Love, <laughs> when asked when do you think LeBron took him for the All Star team, he said probably last and meant it and <laughs> meant every word. Then you got John Wall out with the Wizards, right? So John Wall's done. out for about two months, and yeah. I think the Wizards have enough firepower. If you're a fantasy basketball player, go get Bradley Beal right now because he's a four-game player this week. Bradley Beal's going to light it up. They've got enough to stay afloat. They're not going to crash and burn. I think Wall being out is obviously going to hurt them, 
but it gets more, not even more minutes, it gets more focus onto Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre, who are guys they're going to have to have play big in the in the playoffs. I really like what Washington can do. For whatever reason, Washington loses games to teams they should not lose to. And it's unbelievable because when they play up to the level of their competition, they legitimately can beat anybody. Right. But they have this tendency to just put it on autopilot and they dump games they shouldn't. Now, what does that mean in the playoffs? I don't know. Can they turn it on and sustain for seven games? Maybe this is the year they make some hay. And possibly, as as silly as this sounds, Wall being out for a couple months to rest up, get his legs under him, do a little bit of rehab, let these guys get the reps and, and be the focus for a little while, maybe it's not a horrible thing. Because John Wall is, is a vacuum on the court. He's a black hole. He's got to get his touches. You right. know, the offense runs through him. He's going to do some things that I'm sure at times his teammates are like, damn, dog. Well, I think it gives them a lot more confidence as a team. So then you get Wall back and everyone has more of a swag. And I think if they sit there and look at it and they're still in the four seed and Wall's been out, they might be a force. That's my They'll point. be confident. Because I could see Milwaukee jumping from five to three. Between yes. Washington or Milwaukee, Cleveland slipping down to five, and six, seven, and eight is kind of a crapshoot. Well, I'm most surprised about Miami, even though I did pick them to get into the playoffs, because they really have nothing, but their coach has got them playing. Well, let me tell you something, NBA casual fans. Goran Dragic down there, the point guard at, at Miami, mm-hmm. is probably the best player you've never heard of. Dragic is nice. He's going to get you 20 a night and throw you 10 dimes. He's doing it down there, and they have the most unheralded, underrated big man in the NBA in Hassan Whiteside. He's a legitimate big who is a terror on defense and has just enough touch to be a force. They blew it with the Justice Winslow pick, and I thought it was a slam dunk. I thought Winslow would be a nice wing player in the NBA and hasn't amounted to much. But if they can add a piece at the trade deadline, that's the team I've got my eye on. They need some wing scoring. Mm-hmm. We'll see what they can do. Deion Waiters is out, and that hurt him. Justice Winslow hasn't done a lot. If they can add another scorer that can create their own shot, I like what Miami could do. I do think Miami will stick around and make the playoffs. I also think Philly is going to hang in there. But I just I think they're always one I don't know. Watch out for my Charlotte Hornets. They've won three in a row. Yeah. And you had a good pull. You're like, nobody's paying attention, but Dwight Howard's back. He had another double-double. Yeah. Dwight Howard's been nasty all year down there. The problem is is that it's been him and Kimball Walker and nothing else. Right. Batum will throw you a triple-double out there one night, but Batum's got that big contract that's sort of an albatross around their neck. If you're listening, Michael Jordan, don't you dare trade Kimball Walker. Don't do it. I don't think he's ready for the fallout if he deals Walker. No. And the talks have been there and they've not been there. And Jordan's saying, well, we got to get another star player. Well, first of all, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get another star player for Kimber Walker coming back. But if he gets it in his head that he really thinks he can get value for Walker and deals him, I think there will be a revolt with the Charlotte fans. I actually They're tired think, of that team being bad. Yeah. And Kimball Walker is their favorite son. I think they Don't should trade Kimba straight up for Vladi Divac. Well, that could happen. <laughs> that could happen. But, you know, I'm sitting here looking at all these Eastern teams, and I accidentally scrolled to the Western Conference, and I'm like, none of them have any 
they don't have a chance against Golden State or the Rockets. I disagree. I don't know if I disagree or not. Boston is the one team I can look at from the East and I can say, you know what? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. a puncher's chance. I could say maybe now, on them. The thing with, and, and I need to qualify that because when I look at Golden State, I'm like, if Golden State's healthy, they're, nobody's going to beat them. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But one injury is enough to ding that chemistry and the spacing and everything else. Now, I've said before, and I'm going to say it again, the teams that have an opportunity against the Warriors are a team with a legitimate big. And that's where my problem is a little bit in the West. Capella, I don't know if he's your traditional center enough or not to be the guy that can cause the problem for Golden State in the finals. But if you can get Draymond Green off the floor, you have a shot against Golden State. That changes everything. Draymond's not the best player on that team, but I do think in terms of how they run, he's the guy that creates the mismatch and the problems spacing-wise because he's a guy that can go out, stretch the floor, run up and down faster than anybody else, and he can cover your big. Well, he's the glue guy who doesn't get bored watching everybody else hoist up shots. Absolutely. That's where I see where Boston with Aaron Barnes and now with Monroe – has a better fighter's chance against Golden State. I like Monroe, and I'm uh, Monroe's one of those guys who's kind of gotten shuffled around here a little bit. I, I, I thought it would be a good fit for Boston, but I didn't see them pulling the trigger. I'm amazed Cleveland didn't find a way to make that happen. But they LeBron didn't have maybe the money. on his way out, maybe that's your answer. we got half an hour to go. Thanks for hanging out. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seas final half hour. We are the Iron Men here. Dave, you know, flies in and flies out. But me, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, we are hanging out. We're talking about the NBA, talking about the East in particular right now. Yeah, some people are like relay swimmers. They'll do the freestyle portion of the full race. We <laughs> we do it all. We do it all yes. here. Yes, yes. We're like the, the individual medley folks, you know. Doesn't matter. Backstroke, breaststroke, whatever. I need I need for I there to be a about dog to do, paddle. I thought you were about to do a biggie lyric there. No, no there will be no biggie lyrics coming from me. I will tell you that when I was a kid, I took swimming lessons when I was a kid um, when I was in Ohio. And I knew how to swim a little bit. Yeah. And when my mother had been in Okinawa as an airman at the time, so I stayed with my grandparents. They had me in these swim lessons. And then when we came, 
when she came back, she kind of wanted to keep that going. Sure. With the swim lessons. Because I, you know, I was a little fish. And she took me, we were in Florida at the time. We were at Eglin Air Force Base, and she took me to the swim team on base. And she thought it was swim lessons, but it was a competitive swim team. And she just dropped me off. And they're like, what are you here for? And I'm like, uh, swim lessons? And they were like, we don't do that. <laughs> you should already know how to swim by the time you get here. Yeah. And I was, and I mean, I could swim. And I was seven years old. And this is in Florida now. So swimming was like a serious thing. And they were like, well, let's see what you got. And they threw me in the pool and I did my thing. And like three weeks later, I was racing competitively. Oh, sweet. And I was like their number one swimmer in the seven to eight year old category. And uh, it was pretty cool. I've got more blue ribbons. I think my mom's got them all in a box somewhere. But I was a swimming fool, man. See, I was was a breaststroke swimmer. In fact, like I came in second, almost beat one of the like number one ranked breaststroke swimmers back in my day. Now, butterfly was a different story. Um, when I did the butterfly, it looked like a lifeguard would jump in because it looked like I was <laughs> that's gotta be drowning. That's got to be like a genetic thing where you're able to do the you butterfly. You either understand it or that's not. Right. Like, I don't understand it. Um, well, they say that the breaststroke is the hardest stroke. Now, see, breaststroke was my thing. swimming. Breaststroke was my thing. So, butterfly was my, my weakest point. But I do have to say this is – you know, sports have evolved, and we've talked a lot about how head injuries are shaping parents' uh, vision of what their kids are going to play and what's safe and what's good for their long-term health or not. My mom doesn't know this, but at the end of year, and I was on that swim team for two or three years, but at the end of the year, we all had a we would have a just gigantic pool party, and there, I was going to say there's beer and alcohol. There wasn't beer and alcohol because we were kids. But it was a big deal, and there was cake and all this and music and the rest of that, and we would celebrate, and they'd kind of give end-of-year awards and the rest of this. What they did then, and I've thought about this at several points in my adult life, there's no way I would let my kids participate in this. And y'all know, I'm like the go-bump-your-head parent. You'll be fine. What they used to do at this end-of-year party is one of the big parts of the celebration is they would take a greased watermelon and drop it into the deep end, mm. into the 12 foot, and then all of the kids from the team, everybody, teenagers through to seven year old kids, would go in there and whoever could get that greased watermelon to the top of the pool, and it was like rugby style. <laughs> that sounds so like it was a, a Royal Rumble, and you've got people trying to drown you so they can get this up there. And I don't even know what the prize was, but who cares? <laughs> that sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> right? And this is a real thing. And I did it a couple of different times at those end-of-year parties. And I think about it, and I can remember being seven and eight years old and being horrified. I'm about to drown right now because some 14-year-old kids got me, you know, my skull palmed, holding me down. So well, he can try and get this watermelon you up know, there. You know, I, I swam competitively, and your coaches are kind of messed up because <laughs> it's it's hard work. And at the end of the day, after a season, they're like, great season, let's have a pool party. Right. Like, I've had my little skinny butt up in this pool all year long. I'm ready to go do something else. Well, think about it, too. You know, it's one thing if you're on a football team or a track team or whatever, and you're going to do a lot of running. Yeah, You know, soccer players, we used to run more than the cross-country team did. And you run, 
And you know, when you're doing these these wind sprints and things like that, you can figure out a way to just continue to propel yourself in motion no matter how tired you are. All right, and it, but then you fast forward to swimming, yeah. And the coaches are the same way; it's the same mindset. You're not getting out of that pool. Well, when you run out of energy, at some point, you're just going to start sinking. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you feel like you're physically fit and a good athlete, go play some water polo. Yeah. And you will get your feelings hurt. Those are real athletes. Like, I mean, unbelievable athletes just to kind of keep it going up. Well, did you you lifeguarded when you were in high school, right? Yeah, I was lifeguarded so by I. the time I was 14, 15. Were you ever lifeguard? I actually no. was a lifeguard when I was in high school, and then when I was in the Army at one point, I got to do some lifeguard stuff as well. And part of the lifeguard test generally is that you're going to tread water for about five minutes. Yep. Water polo. <laughs> <laughs> and and being able to tread water for five minutes, if you Brandon, you say it. If you think you're in shape and you haven't worked out in a little while, go jump in the pool at your local Y and tread water for five See, minutes. I- and then if you can do that, do it for ten minutes. Well, let me tell let me tell you something else. If you don't keep, it's not like a bike and you jump back on. If you're out of the swim game for a long time, I don't know how we got on in this, but <laughs> but I was such a good swimmer when I was young that co- coaches kind of remembered my name the, at the high school level. And one year, I just didn't have. It was the off season for me, and the guy goes, "He's been wearing my mom out. I send him out. I want him to be on the swim team." I went out there and. Like a twelve-year-old girl passed me as I was doing the freestyle, <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Yeah, I think too much. Time to hang too much up the time goggles. has been, yeah. you know." And I will say, getting um, being a lifeguard and getting all that certification got me out of one of the coolest things ever. Because I graduated uh, graduated at Chapel Hill, I'll probably get a call saying I got to go back and take the swim test. But they have a famed <laughs> swim test. There was a, a person that donated a lot of money for the facility, but the rule was you had to pass a, a swim test to graduate from UNC. Real thing. And I went to my advisor and just jokingly whipped out my old certification that I still had. He was like, oh, that looks good, and checked it off. Nice. So I'm on, probably one of the only ones in history of that university who didn't actually have to take the swim I test. I think we need to go administer that swim test. Just in the interest of fair play, especially given all that UNC's been through in the last years to make sure that everything was on the up and up. I think we should go and tape your swim <laughs> test. Trent, are you are you with me on this? Is that not the I, right thing yeah. to do? I think we've Ethics, already brother. established that taping me doing anything is a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah, but that was before we put the 10-drink maximum rule in effect. Yeah. But I'm I'm for that. Are you? I let I gotta make this happen. If I do that, then I want to see you get a greased up watermelon by yourself <laughs> out of the deep I end. I got it. No problem. You got nope, this? No, absolutely no oh, problem. I got real money on no it. You can't. Oh, real it's money. On. Trent. All right. Let's make this happen. We've All got right. to find somebody. Oh, I'm not pool talking about like a twelve foot. No, no, no. It's a twelve foot, a full size watermelon. I'm not talking about getting can out of the pool. I can get it out of the pool. Not only can I get it out of the pool, I could get it in the pool. I could get it out of the pool with you two clowns trying to stop me. I could still get it out of it. Okay, man. I'll be really impressed. So a 12-foot pool, we need to get permission from somebody. That's your mission, Trent, is to find us a 12-foot deep end. Hold on. Hold on. I'm hearing something. It's Oh, it's better X? You want to put $10 million that he can't? 
<laughs> I told you earlier, Better X has to lose sometimes. Better X, you better get on this train. I'm going to get a 12 a, a, a 12-foot pool, get that watermelon out of it. I can do it. I have okay. no doubt. All right. I can't wait. You just got to let it warm up a little bit. I'm not okay. going to do that to you in the cold. All right. I'll, it's on. Okay. It's on. All right. I tried to nickname myself Chris the Fish when I was a kid, and it never took. I'm Here's still a little deal. disappointed. I think you need to get your insurance person back in the studio. <laughs> and maybe I, better, I, actually have, I actually have some conversion paperwork I need to get done with him. I need to get done before he hears this. Because, Just check uh, your get your will checked. Make sure that's up to date. Yeah, he's going to be like that whole conversion to whole life. Let's, let's hold off on that until after the uh, greased watermelon. But I <laughs> so can do that. I have no doubt. Is it butter, Crisco? It was Crisco. You can put whatever you want on it. I don't care. How heavy is the uh, watermelon? I mean, it was a full-size watermelon. Okay. It's immaterial. Over the years, it went like... I don't know. It was immaterial. I mean, it was a full-size watermelon. And I don't know because I was seven and eight years old. So, you know, things seemed bigger at the time. But, I mean, it was a watermelon watermelon. It wasn't like a little baby watermelon. How big were the uh, cinder blocks on your ankles? Yeah. (laughs) See, here we go. (laughs) But I'm I'm telling you, I can do it. I have no doubt at all. What about the suit of armor that you wore when you did this? See, I'm not even trying to embellish like the that. The Bud Knight. Guys, it's hard to get love around. <laughs> By here. the way, Budweiser, huge, the Budweiser Dude. was the big winner in all of this because Philly has adopted it from Dilly Dilly to Philly Philly. You're gonna, you're gonna remember two things about this. The first, the upset. You're gonna remember Philly Philly and the Philly Special. That's what they're calling this pass to uh, Foles. But Budweiser killed it, and their commercials weren't even that fun, that much funnier than the ones they've been doing. Well, I think in the season, I think for the final segment, we may be able to get the Bud Knight in studio. Bud Knight. I think we can do that. I've come to do this. I've done it. <laughs> so we'll check that out. But we need in, before we get through this segment here. We all agree Boston is a solid one. Yeah, and the only team. That I foresee catching them. Right now, Boston's sitting at 39 and 15. Toronto's within two and a half games. Toronto is the only team I see with a shot to catch Boston. Does anybody want to disagree with that statement? No. No, I think All that's right. fair. Milwaukee, are we ready to vault Milwaukee up and call them our collective three seed? I think right now, with Wall being injured, I would have to believe that as long as okay and they're only a game back from washington as long as Giannis is good of course you know he tweaked his ankle i mean you gotta you gotta be okay with that and jabari parker now is back played about 15 minutes in his debut if i'm not mistaken and uh jabari parker i think is the biggest trade deadline addition anybody's gonna make in the nba yep and yes blake griffin is a bigger name going one direction but it didn't cost Milwaukee anything. So I really, really love that. Now, we've got Boston 1, Toronto 2, Milwaukee 3. Is Washington our 4 seed? I think so. Okay. Yes, I agree. So when does Cleveland get in the mix here? Is it at 5? Yeah, probably 5. All right. As bad as they've been playing, they're still you I know, think they'll they still stay got LeBron, in the, yeah. yeah, in five. Well, and so that folks at home understand how tight it is, from three to seven, you're talking about a one-win difference. At three right now, you've got Cleveland at thirty and twenty-one, 
Washington, Indiana both have 30 wins. And then you've got Milwaukee and Miami with 29 wins. And then it's all the way down to Philly. I'm not going to be shocked if Philly holds and hangs in there. But, brother, they got Detroit breathing down their necks. And this Blake Griffin-Andre Drummond pairing is looking pretty good. And Reggie Jackson, when he can come back, I like what Detroit's got there. They're in a virtual tie right now. There's a half-game difference between Philly and Detroit for the the, uh, eighth seed. And I think what it comes down to is how many games Embiid plays the rest of the way. There's a lot of whispers about Philly making a move at the deadline. I just don't see them making a significant move. If they do, you're probably looking at Lou Williams coming back to Philly. Um, We'll see. And I don't know how serious Philly should get about mortgaging their future to make a run this year because that Philly team is fun to watch, but they're not ready to win a championship. They're not ready to get to the conference finals. So I'm not sure you want to burn a lot of future capital to try to get one guy in there. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what Philly decides to do with that. But I'm going to say that the eight teams that are in the top eight places now stay there. I think – yeah, I think I'll put Cleveland as a five seed. I I, I don't think they can fall much farther than that. Indiana is a team nobody's going to want to play in the playoffs. But I think Cleveland, as far as they can fall, is a five seed. I think the Heat might fall out, either Detroit or Charlotte. We'll see. We'll put a bow on this thing here in a couple minutes. Remember, come out to Libations on Wednesday night. This Wednesday, 90s R&B is your tease. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Final 15 minutes. Thanks for hanging out with us this far. So we've come up with a, a possible plan in terms of location. And the question that we've got is whether we should ask for permission to do this or whether we should just go guerrilla style and do this without permission. I think we have to have a lot of supervision. (laughs) And if you're just joining us, I don't know why you would be, but we're talking about Krista Lambert diving in a diving well to, to like swim up, I guess is the phrase, a greased, a nice size greased watermelon, which I feel like we all have to clear this with Nedge. No, first. no, 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 no. That would ruin it, dude. I don't want to kill her to kill me, dude. Listen, is there a drink? If something limit? happens to me, I, I can assure you, I'm well insured. She will be crying That's all a- the way to the bank. <laughs> no, but this is not. This is definitely a situation where it's better to beg for forgiveness than ask permission. I promise you that. I can hear it now. Brandon Atkins, you knew all about this? <laughs> Hold on. What's that check look like? All right. Never mind. Look. <laughs> we cannot. We cannot tell Mrs. DeLambert ahead of time. That's 
That's but you know, there's going to be squash this whole thing. You know, there's going to be inside joke, little like I'm going to say, well, that's crazier than a grease watermelon right there. <laughs> we'll be out well, at dinner, the, and she's like, "What's wrong with Brandon?" Though. Here's the thing: is that she doesn't. All, well, I say often she does, and I don't even know when she's listening because she'll pop out and won't say anything about the show for a couple weeks, and then she'll drop me like, "You guys are stupid." You know what you're talking about? Oh God. Oh, she is listening. I better be careful. Yeah, she asked my wife. Oh, see. She's like, Oh, do you ever listen to the show? And my wife like was like, No, well, you know, sometimes uh, and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I'd suffer through it. But my point is is that even if my wife doesn't listen, I do have enough of her friends and family members that do. Somebody's gonna put this in her ear. So I need to appeal to you guys. Please don't tell my wife that I'm going to jump into a 12-foot pool and carry a greased watermelon to the surface. You know, Please don't do it. Don't ruin it. No, we got to move quick. Well, that's we the do. thing. Oh, definitely, definitely. I've said many times, what did the redneck say right before he died? <laughs> hey, y'all watch this. This is a hey, y'all watch this Look, moment. And, it, you know, I don't even know what's wrong with me because you guys didn't even really, like, challenge me. I just stepped up and was like, yeah, I can do that. And I, I have no doubt in my military mind I can get that watermelon to the surface. I don't have any doubt. It might take me a couple minutes of going up and back. Hey, son, you ain't got a couple of minutes. So you ain't got a couple on the clock. Give me how long do I get? You got as long as you want. All right, we're good. You got 365 days. We're we're good. That watermelon. I just can't get out of the pool before the watermelon gets to the surface. But how long? Do we have to wait while the paramedics try to revive you (laughs) before I can cut into the watermelon and eat it? Listen, I have a lot of drive, and I'm a stubborn man. I'm not going to drown myself trying to do this. Is Temple Sloan going to be okay with a monument to Krista Lambert in his park? (laughs) That's the big question. At the funeral, can we take that watermelon and soak it in vodka? You have to. And eat it. You have to. That has to happen. So this has to be coordinated. We have to have a bar that is a part of this, and they have to have watermelon. Uh, they have to have a watermelon on on tap for us. I say we sell tickets at the door Dude. for charity, cover charge. Yep, I'm down. And if we'll donate it to the Park and Rec swim team. Well, some of it, <laughs> some of it will have. Unfortunately, you know what? I'm down with that. Let's do this. We'll do this. We'll get John Payne involved. We will do this, and if anybody wants to donate to see this happen, everybody, <laughs> we will give the money. We will donate the money to Lee County, North Carolina Parks and Rec. Some yeah. of it, unfor- some of the funds will unfortunately have to go towards the funeral. <laughs> so whatever we net after that will go to a charity of our choosing. Yeah, the no, Parks and this Lex, is Parks this falls Rec. into the category. This is like the Tide Pod thing. If it something sure bad is. happens to somebody eating a Tide Pod. They get no medical attention. We laid that out there. Well, see, that's the problem. I will refuse. I, I'm going to sign a not do not resuscitate order. If I hurt myself going up and down trying to get this stupid watermelon out of the pool, I don't deserve medical attention. Brandon, are you going to be in the pool trying to keep him from that? Because then we'd have to put a time oh, on no, 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 no. got 15 not, minutes. Look, no, no. No, I don't even be that close to it. <laughs> But you're a lifeguard. You're certified from North Carolina University. Yeah, but that University. was a very long time ago. You need to save his butt. Very I'm long time ago. I'm not going to drown, guys. <laughs> I can make this happen. And no rolling it up. 
No rolling no, it no, no, up no, no. to it the will five be carried. Foot. It will be carried from the top, Straight from up. the bottom to the top. I just don't know. I just don't see there. how. Yeah, I don't know how hard that would be. Oh no! Look now, he's been on the. Oh, you can't do it now. You're like, how hard yeah, would it be? I don't think I could do it though. I I I. I think, you know who can do it? This guy. I guess we're gonna. I'm find pulling out. for you. This guy. Me too. I got this. I mean, I think you're only. I haven't even been, been in a swimming pool you're to only, like swim. I haven't been in a pool for anything other than drinking beer. What are you in a you, very long time? What are you? I got si- this. Six foot one. Six foot, six foot two? one. Okay, six foot one with your arms up <laughs> in the air. What's that? Eight feet. Um. Yeah. About that. So your biggest chance is to get there. <laughs> Leap off the floor. Hope it covers that extra what four feet. But then it's the struggle's real. That's where the problem is. But we got once you get up there because and here's the piece of it is that you've got to be able to get it up there, but you're only gonna be able to kick because you're holding on I, to the greasy exactly. watermelon. So you, your arms are disengaged. And I'm not trying to talk it up. I'm not saying that it's an impossibility. We but just you guys. To- you in particular don't think I can do it. I can do this. We just need to check the depth of the pool because I might have it wrong. It might be 15, 14, 15. We just got to go check it. Whatever you want to do. I got this. Look, I used to clean their bathrooms. I, <laughs> I should have access to that park at all times. You still have keys? No. no. All right. Because I'm thinking, man, if I'm going to go out there and dive in here and try and get this watermelon to the surface, I'm thinking, you know, you can go back and clean in those bathrooms one more time for old time's sake. That might be the real fundraiser. I don't know. I think this is a hop the fence event, like at least to check the depth. Yeah, I think we only kind of just just put ourselves, put ourselves out there. Out there. Yeah, okay. Why kinda, did I yeah. really just have to Google what to grease a watermelon to throw in a pool? <laughs> What'd you come up with? It's either it says vegetable oil or uh, petroleum jelly. I guess there is something called How to Play Greased Watermelon Polo. Never heard of it. That's beautiful. Told you so. Okay. Well, I mean, I believe you. Told you so. All right. I can't wait. All right. So, college basketball. Oh, okay. We, we've covered – well, first of all, we covered the East. I think we got all the way through our top eight seeds in the East. Hey, let me cover the West. Golden State Warriors. All right. You want to oh. talk mo- football? I mean, basketball? Um, no, what do you want to talk – I don't care. I think it's Golden State or Houston – they're gonna probably both be in the uh, the Western Conference Championship game. Okay, um, listen, listen to me for just a second, though. Go for it. Give me, give me a little bit of love here. First of all, San Antonio has kept that thing together with bubble gum and chicken wire. Kawhi Leonard has essentially missed the whole season up to this point. They're still a thirty-four win team. That's unbelievable to me. This may be the best job Pop has done ever with what's going on there with Tony Parker and Ginobili being 63 years old and this guy's got the fifth best record in the league. That's unbelievable. And at some point, Kawhi is bound to come back and be at 100%. So there's that. But here's the team you need to look out for. Okay. The Minnesota Timberwolves. It took them a little while to figure it out. But basically what they've done is kicked Andrew Wiggins to the curb and said, you know what? Andrew's just a guy on this team. This team now belongs to Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. And that tandem is killing it right now. And these guys are really, really, really – starting to play good basketball. And if you watch them, we talk about the eye test all the time. Minnesota's all right. Mm-hmm. 
They are okay. And then you've got OKC. Nobody's going to want to play OKC in the playoffs at all. So I think you've got that five teams, but I still believe that in a vacuum, if there are no injuries, it's Golden State and the four dwarfs. Mm. Houston, probably of the other teams, probably has a better shot. But do you think it's like a distinct tier, Golden State, Houston, then the rest? Or do you just think Houston's the best of those those four teams? I think there's there's Golden State, and it's not a 1A, 1B situation. I think it's a solid Houston 2, and then everybody else. I'll buy that. Trent, what do you feel about that? Yeah, I would have to agree, and I'm going to have to say that I think there can be injuries to Golden State, but I think if it's a KD injury that knocks them out for a while, that changes the whole game. But right now I have Golden State head above the rest and a Houston solid. I would say for me the injury, if the injury occurs to KD, Curry, or Draymond, they've got a problem. Clay Thompson is is – that next tier if, in terms of importance. And I'm not saying Draymond's a better player than, than Clay Thompson. Like I said, Draymond is the guy that creates all the problems. Now that said, Golden State has been showing the rest of the league how to do this for a couple years. Jordan Bell might have been the steal of this doggone draft. And they've been able to plug this kid in, and he's doing exactly what he did at Oregon. And we were like, that's a perfect fit for Golden State. Anybody out there, GMs, assistant GMs, pay attention to what Golden State's doing. They're just better at this than you are. And the last thing I want to say about the NBA is there's been a lot of talk. James Harden the other night had 60 points and a triple-double. And I've heard a thousand times, that's the first 60-point triple-double in NBA history. No, it's not. Wilt Chamberlain probably did it 50 times. (laughs) However, block shots were not counted as a statistic until 71. So somebody needs to go back and look at the tape, but I'm going to promise you that that Wilt Chamberlain on multiple occasions had a triple-double that was points, blocks, and rebounds and had 60 points in the game. Hell, he he averaged 50 points one season. And he was with more, more women than any other basketball player on earth. Yes. Thanks for hanging out. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. This has been From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seat Media, LLC. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. See ya. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.